Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Talk about the instruments of change today of developing the discipline of worship and adoration in our life. This is amazing. And, I, and the Lord told me that the first part of the service was a, te- a test from God to see how we would respond. But now I'm going to give you language to what you just did. Because we did it by faith and we did it by our, our experience. But I'm now going to give you scriptures of why it's important, hear me now, to develop the discipline of private, daily worship and corporate worship and adoration as part of your daily life. People have asked me, what has anchored you in your faith that has not caused you to backslide for 25 years? And I tell them these principles, these instruments of change. The first week we talked about what? The word of God. The word of God being important. It became my best friend. And I never went back to the world. The other the week we talked about the power of prayer. Will you guys remember that? Well, today in the secret place, I'm going to talk about something that every believer needs to be. Now, now I need you to hear me now. Please hear me now. This is important. It has nothing to do with your ability to sing. That got zero amens. A lot of times people think worshiping with song is for worship leaders or for people who have a gifted voice like me. (laughs) Come on, Holy Ghost. But I want you to see something. (laughs) Some of you are like, no, don't, don't, don't. It's not good. But watch this. The Bible in Psalms 100 says something powerful. And I'm going I'm to take you on a journey because my goal today is that you would develop a daily adoration worship life. Because if you don't know how to worship, some people think that worshiping is just saying thank you. Or some people think worshiping is just doing other things. That's part of worship. But the biggest biblical way, the biggest biblical and most biblical way to worship is through singing. Don't limit worship to your ability to sing well or not. A lot of people say, well, this, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's awkward for me to hear my own voice when I sing. Forget about awkwardness. Know what it is and know what it does to your heart. Are you ready for this? Watch this. I'm going to give you a recipe. Psalm 100 says this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Thank God it didn't say. <laughs> he said make a joyful shout. Another translation says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Doesn't matter. It may be noise to you, but it's joyful to him. It may be noise to others when they hear you sing and they're like oh it may be noise to them but it's joyful to him he says make a joyful shout or noise unto the lord are you ready for this i could get excited more than you so don't let me be sing watch this serve the lord with gladness come before his presence with singing say with singing see some of you guys can't even say that because you're too macho say singing That's right. He says, come before the Lord with singing, before his presence with singing. Watch this. Verse 3. Know the Lord that he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Watch this. Verse 4. Very popular verse of scripture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We're going to end it there. His courts with praise. Now, one of the greatest things that every Christian should have is to be, watch this, every goal of every believer 
for every Christian is to be transformed and familiar with the presence of God. Now, I don't mean familiar like getting used to it and not coming. What I mean by familiar is the, fam the familiar that comes by you constantly going to his presence. So every believer needs to be transformed and familiar with his presence. Now, hear me. And the Bible gives us a recipe for coming into his presence. He gives us a specific thing that is required for us to invoke the presence of God in our life. Now, why well, the presence of God is so important? Because the presence of God is what changes people's lives. It is his presence. That means he's right there. Look, when you have, when, when my shadow, my shadow's not here with Amanda, but if my shadow would hit Amanda... That means my real presence, that's my, 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 my presence around there. The real thing is not too far away. Let me tell you something. It's God's presence that is invoked through singing. And now watch this. He says, come with his presence with singing. He gives us a recipe of how to come into his presence. Listen to me. This is important because, now I need you to hear this. Man, this is going to be good. Because music, I'm not talking about sound speakers. Music and singing is in, was intentionally created by God, intentionally, on purpose, to open up the heart and mind to experience God in ways that you and I can never do outside of that. Music was intentionally created, singing was intentionally created to open up the, I don't understand it, but it does. I, every time I sing to the Lord, something happens to my heart. I'm not worried about how I'm sounding in that moment. I'm worried about how it is affecting my heart. And worship and singing has the unique ability to open up our hearts to experience God in a dynamic way. I'm telling you, it's a recipe. He says, come before my presence with singing. And you don't have to be a good worship leader to do that. He didn't say, come before my presence with singing to only those who could sing. I think we are missing a huge part of our daily walk with God. And I dare to say, we're not going to walk in complete power and victory if we don't know how to be worshipers. And please, please, the reason why this is so important and the reason why I say this and the reason why some worship leaders that have an authentic call for worship get frustrated when they lead worship is because they see the crowd and they see such lack of engagement that they're, they're getting frustrated because... Our lack of engagement, watch this, is proof that we don't have a revelation of what worship is. Our lack of engagement is proof that we don't have a revelation of what worship does to our heart. Because if we did, we will worship no matter what the circumstance is. You know why? Because let's be honest, when you're having a bad day, the first thing that the enemy wants to throw you out is your worship. Because you're like, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I've heard that. I'm a hypocrite if I worship and I'm having a tough day. No, you're smart. If you having a bad day and you worship, you know why? Because worship opens your heart like no other. Yes. Singing. Watch this. What's the recipe? Come into my presence with what? S say singing. Come on, say singing. singing. Why is this important? Because look, and, the, and, and it says, Thanksgiving, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. One of the meanings of thanksgiving in this verse, I'm going to read it to you. One of the meanings of thanksgiving is to give thanks in song or worship and hymns. Similarly, the meaning of praise means come with adoration, song, or acts and deed. So in other words, thanksgiving and praise have a common denominator of worshiping and singing. So it's basically you could say this. Come, enter his gates with singing, and enter his courts with singing. The entryway. 
to the presence of God is through your worship. The entryway to the presence of God is your worship. And can I just say something real powerful? You don't mind if I preach a little bit here, right? You don't because pre- I get excited about this. I'm finding out that there is a biblical definition of a spirit-filled Christian. You know, we're us charismatic. We think we think spirit-filled Christianity is shaking, and that's a sign we're just spirit-filled or falling under the power. Like, oh, 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 that's a spirit-filled guy right there. We think that exuberance is charismatic. But do you want to know, and this is not in my notes, Zach, you just have to follow me. Do you want to know the biblical definition of a spiritual Christian? I'm finding out that it's a new definition, but it's actually not new. It's been there all the time. You know what the Bible says? Oh my God, this is amazing. In Efe- I'm going to say, while you get it up there, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Get that ready. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be what? Come on, that's five people, but what? So be not drunk with wine, but be, come on, say it like your mom is going to slap you in your head. Be what? Okay, and we know who the authority is now in the home, right? Like, okay, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled. Say filled. You want to know what the very next verse is after being filled? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Right after, do not be drunk with the world, but be filled with the spirit. A byproduct of a spirit-filled Christian always has a song bubbling in their heart. You know, when I first read that, I thought it was like the West Side Story, like a musical or something like that, you know? Because it's like always singing to each other, like, Analdi, do you want to go to the lunch today? No, bro, I'm okay, you know? (laughs) Because, you know, it's like singing to each other. When I first read that, I was like, this is like West Side Story stuff. This is like a musical. We're singing to each other. Christina, how are you doing today? <laughs> yeah. I only got one shot at it. So, I got... so watch. Right after being spirit-filled, what is the Bible? Oh, my God. What is the product of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Is it shaking? Is it just speaking in tongues as part of it? A byproduct of a true spirit-filled Christian, according to New Testament, is you'll always have a song inside of your heart. Look at it. Let's read it again. Backtrack in verse 18. Look what it says. Look at verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking, the byproduct of being filled with the Holy Spirit, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So if you're truly filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have a revelation that you'll be in that secret place and you'll worship God. There's a difference. Hear me now. There's a difference between prayer and intercession and worship. Because prayer and intercession has to do with decreeing and asking things that God wants us to ask for. He wants us to ask for. He wants us to be in a place of prayer and asking for things. We decreed the building and God gave it to us. But then there's another thing. Worship is just simply not asking him for anything and enjoying him and worshiping him and adoring him for who he is. Prayer is I'm asking and believing. Worship is, I'm not saying anything about asking. I just want more of you. And I worship you. And you know what? Your heart will become ablaze when you have that practice. I would dare to say that most Christians have a good uh, a word life. Or they, may, or, they, or they may do a lot of good activities. But most Christians in their private time don't know how to put in a song. Or sing a song to the Lord. Because they think 
their voice is awkward or they think it's an awkward thing to do. Let me tell you something. You're being a victim of what the enemy wants to do in your life. But God wants to uh, let us know the power of worship. Can I hear an amen? Because we got to remember that Satan himself was once a, a very, an archangel that was in charge of musical declarations in heaven. And the Bible says that he was a beautiful cherub and he had instruments and pipes. And he was the one that looked at himself and said, look how beautiful I am. Look how majestic I am. Music straight from heaven. And he puffed himself up and he looked at that, at himself and he got kicked out of heaven because of the fact that he idolized his worship ability. But let me tell you something. He is, I, I'm going to tell you this now. This is going to sound youthful. This is going to sound youth ministry, but I'm not trying to be youth ministries now. Music is a powerful tool, but the enemy could use music as well to gear your heart. I want to share something with you that is very powerful this morning. Because the Bible says, come into his presence with singing. I, I could say that over and over again and get a revelation every time. He's saying, don't come with just a solitude face. Don't even come with just saying, thank you. Not that you can't do that. He says, I want you to come with singing because when you sing, my presence will be invoked in a very quick and fast and powerful way. He says, so music is powerful. Watch this. But the enemy could use music in your life. For ages, people have, listen to me, have sought music. You know what I'm talking about. When people are having a tough time or when they want to escape, they put one of those songs up and, it get, and that song takes them there. Do you know the mu- that music has the ability Watch this. Music has the ability to shift your heart to the desire of what the content of the music is. Music has the power to shift and draw your heart to the direction of what that music is talking about. If the music is talking about the Lord. It has the power to shift your heart towards the things of the Lord. Because music was made intentionally by God to open up the heart. But music also has the power to shift you into a place of loneliness or anger or to fuel your anger. So music has either the ability to to feed your anger and to feed your emotions. Or it could be an incredible tool to get you closer to God. And you know what? And this is why. Can I just be honest with you guys? You guys won't get mad at me. So here's the, 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 here's the challenge for some of you. The challenge for some of you is this. Is that because you don't really know the definition or revelation of worship. We resort to worldly songs. I know I'm going to get in trouble. We resort to worldly music to, to get our peace because we don't have a revelation of worship so when there's a breakup back in the day and you have a relationship problem and you get breaked up you know ladies especially when they break up you'll start singing songs like since you've been gone i can't breathe and they're still crying for the first time and and, and to be more modern if you break up now you hear a song like you know hello <laughs> it's me <You're> like, oh. <laughs> And guys, I'm not leaving guys out. Guys, if you don't know the definition of worship, if you don't know worship, you'll be singing songs like when you break up, like you used to call me on myself. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> but you know what? It's true, though. You laugh, but it's true. Everybody goes to a certain song to try to make them feel better when worship is the one that draws you to the heart of God. 
And so when you're having a bad day, you put this thing on and you put this song on. You're like, and you feel good. I remember, uh, I I shouldn't say this, but I remember when I first got saved, I used to listen to a real bad uh, uh, rap group. I just won't say the name. But it was very bad, right? And I got pulled over by a cop and I, you know, uh, I'm trying to say it so that you guys won't think. Anyways, it was NWA, NWA. So, yeah. That, I wasn't born saved. <laughs> They're like, pastor. I wasn't a pastor. Well, actually, I, was, I got two weeks saved, and, I, and, and, and a, a cop scared me. He threatened me about some things, and I was only like 18 years old. And I remember fueling my anger with one of the songs about police officers. Let's just move forward. <laughs> I'm serious, though. Do you know that music has the ability to sway your heart to the direction of the music? I'm going to say this, young people. I know you're going to get mad at me. I know you're going to think I'm preaching at you, but I'm not preaching to adults too. If you're constantly, boy, I'm really going to get in trouble right now. If you're constantly listening and engaging to music of the world to try to satisfy a moment and try to satisfy a, a, a pleasure moment or a, uh, a feel-good moment. I'm not saying that you're in sin if you, if you listen to some oldies. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're substituting, if you're substituting your, your ability to come to God when you're feeling down through worship, and you're using worldly music because it's making you feel angrier or, or happier or stuff. What you're doing is you're placing that as an idolatry over God, over true worship. Do you guys realize, I know this sounds really youthy today, but do you guys realize that Satan is intentional about drawing people away through music? And I see it, unfortunately, Christine, I see it in this generation. When I was a youth pastor, I saw it, and I see it all the time. It never ends. It never ends because people nowadays, especially in this culture, well, you have no, no, no right to tell me what to listen to. I don't. But let me tell you, it's an indication of what you're feeding your heart. What are you feeding? I remember years ago watching a, a, an illustration about a man, an Indian chief, who, who was giving a, an illustration to his grandson about two wolves. And the two wolves, one had the power to destroy and one had a power to give life. And the grandson said, sir, how do I know which one will win in my life? Because he, he said, you have to be careful for the bad wolf because that bad wolf could destroy everything that, that's put inside of you. And this grandson said, how do I know which one is going to win? And he goes, the grandfather says, whichever you feed the most. If you are... Con- if your habit is constantly going to music that the enemy is bringing to you to try to substitute real peace, then what happens is that you, it, it actually reveals the place you are in in God. And again, I'm not saying you can't listen to all these. I know I'm going to get all these emails and I'm not saying that you can't listen to all that. But I am saying is if you're using that as a constant substitute, what are you feeding your spirit? Worship and singing has the ability to ignite your heart in ways that you've never known. Can I hear an amen? And this is it. Look at these slides, the next slide. There's great benefits of praise and worship as your instruments of change. I'm going to say that again. It's going to be up on the screen. There's great benefits and attributes of praise and worship as instruments of change. The first attribute that I want to talk about, about the power of worship and singing. Look at me. The power of worship 
and singing to the Lord. The first attribute is, put up on the screen, the fullness of joy and renewed strength. This is a byproduct. Watch this. What I, I'm going to give you four attributes of developing the instrument of change of personal worship. Don't answer me, but I want you to think about this. If I were to answer your question, which one of you privately practices worshiping God in your home? Not in just church. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Which one of you practices as a practice worshiping God on your way to work or at work or in your house? Do you put on a CD? Do you put on an iPod? Do you engage in closing your eyes without distraction, without TV, and close your eyes and lift up your voice in singing? I know that sounds weird to some of you guys. It used to be weird to me, but I do it all the time. And it don't matter if I can sing well in your eyes. I know what it does in my heart. Because he says, come into my presence with singing. <sighs> I'm telling you, there's times where I'm going through this stuff and I begin to sing to the Lord. And it sometimes is a little hammer and it gets louder and louder and louder. And it's chiseling away at that hardness until my heart melts because of worship. Amen. We need to develop this. The first attribute of having this as an instrument of change is fullness of joy. Say fullness of joy. And strength. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says, let's, it's a progression. Come to his presence with singing, right? Say singing. Okay, so now when we're in his presence, what happens? Okay, he, he says, come to his presence with singing. So now that we're in his presence, what happens in his presence? Look at Psalm 16, verse 11. Put that up there. Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life in your presence. Come to his presence with what? No, no, no. Come to his presence with singing. And once you're in his presence, watch this, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. How do you get fullness of joy? In his presence. How do you get in his presence? Through singing. It's a progression. So what does fullness of joy mean? It's not that you're laughing 500 times a day. Like, ha, 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 I just have the joy of the Lord today. Man, this is good. No, that's not, that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about, are you ready for this? In the Hebrew translation, fullness of joy has the meaning of complete satisfaction and contentment lacking nothing. Completely satisfied. The, when, it, when the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy, it's not saying that you're laughing all the time. It's an inward reality that you have complete satisfaction. You have keep, complete contentment. Listen, listen now. Without lacking anything. Say anything. You know what I love about that scripture? It didn't say 75% joy. He didn't say, in his presence, there's 85% joy. There's 95% joy. There's 99% joy. No, there's fullness of joy. There's full, you know that there's a difference between happiness and joy. Don't let me preach good this morning. Because happiness is a, a, a temporary thing that has to do a lot with, with physical things. Like, I'm happy because my boyfriend's cute. Or I'm happy because well, I have money in my bank. I finally got a job. I'm happy. I finally have a house to live. I finally have a good boss. I finally have a, 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 a my children are behaving this week. I'm happy. But you take that away. You take those temporary band-aids away and you're left with emptiness. I'm going to preach a little bit better now. Happiness sometimes is covered by false music. 
So in order to get a false sense of joy, we have a false sense of music that gets us happy, but it doesn't give us joy. Happiness is external things. Joy has to do with a deep internal reality that has nothing to do with your circumstances or what you're going on. All hell could be breaking loose in your family and your life, and you have this contentment and that fulfillment and that satisfaction. Why? Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Joy is everlasting and it's permanent. Happiness is temporary. You take away what brings you happy and then you no longer be happy. We place happiness with segments of our life. Listen, young people, I want you to listen. Some of you guys are not listening. I'm not going to call you out, but some of you guys are talking right now. Just listen. This is important. Joy then brings what? Say strength. And you say, I never saw that in that scripture. I never saw strength in there. Here's the, here's the progression. Come to his, his presence with what? Singing. In his presence there's what? Now, where do I get strength from? In Nehemiah, now you don't have to turn there, Zach. When Nehemiah was building the wall that was destroyed by the enemy, you know what he told the people? He goes, don't be dis- dis- distressed and don't be discouraged for the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So here's the progression. Singing brings you into his presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you realize all from the place of worship? All starts from the place of worship and adoration. Joy, fulfillment, strength. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout of praise if you believe that. The second thing that that the instrument of worship and adoration does in our life. I want you to hear this. I'm going to go for about 10 minutes because we're not going to have, a, we're not going to have musicians come up. But we're still going to worship though. It breaks the second thing. It breaks the chains of bondage and addiction of our lives. Watch this. And other people in the sphere of influence that you have. Watch this. I heard this this morning. It wasn't in my notes. When you worship God with, in spirit and truth, it's like an atom bomb in the spirit. Have you ever seen an atom bomb? And then it goes. It, it drops a certain place. Then it goes into like hundreds of mile radius all over. Can I tell you something? Your worship has the ability not only to break chains and addictions of your life, but everybody else in your sphere of influence. You said, oh, that's just too preachy, Pastor George. You're just trying to get people excited. No, it's actually in the scripture. You say, what? My worship has the ability to break other people's chains and bondages. Let's go to the, one of the most popular scriptures in Acts chapter 16. You'll see. Acts chapter 16, for those of you who don't know, it's going to be up on your screen. Acts chapter 16 and at verse 22. If you're there, say amen. Are you getting something this morning? Acts chapter 16. I want to encourage you to be a worshiper. Don't leave worshipers just for the worship leaders. No, no, no. That's not it. We're all worshipers. Acts chapter see the worship, worship, worship is not what we do on Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle. And, it's, and, and worship, biblically, has to do with singing. And I know we could get all technical that you could work. We could. We could worship through our giving. We could worship through our, our, our faithfulness. That's all part of worship. But the best and most powerful and most biblical way that God describes worship is through singing and through song. Look at this. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. I'm getting more excited than you are, but it's okay. Look at, what's, look at this. Then the multitude, sorry, verse 23. Let's, let's go to verse 23. Let's go, jump to verse 23. Look, watch. And when they 
had laid many stripes on the apostles, okay? They threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them secretly. Now watch this. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in their their stocks. But at midnight, glory to God, Paul and Silas were praying, watch this, and singing hymns. They were locked up. They were in chains. And instead of complaining like we do when we get locked up by the devil, when we get thrown a curveball by life, when we get a, th- a curveball thrown to us by the enemy, the first re- thing that goes out our window of our life is our worship. And they were locked up. They were beaten. And they looked at each other and they said, I have a great idea. Instead of complaining, let's just start singing. And the, look at what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says. They started singing hymns to God. And the pri- Oh my God. The prisoners were listening. Do you realize that in our family we have prisoners? Do you realize that in our jobs we have prisoners? Do you know that in our neighborhoods we have prisoners? Spiritual prisoners? Emotional prisoners? That are waiting for something to happen in their life. And they're waiting for a man or a woman of God to start activating something to get them free. The prisoners were listening. What were they listening to? A good sermon? No. You know what they're listening to? To worship you I live to worship you, I live. Come on, come on, come on, Silas. Come on, Paul, let's do it. And they're singing. Look at what happens. Look what happens. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open. Are you ready for this? And everyone's chains were loosed. It didn't just say Paul and Silas's chains were loose. It, it, he said everyone's chains were loose. Let me tell you, when you begin to open up your mouth and you begin to open up your worship and you begin to start singing to the Lord, not only will your chains be loose, your moms, your dads, your sisters, your brothers, the people in your sphere of influence, their chains will begin to get loose. Why? Because you've created an atmosphere for God's presence to come. Why? Why don't we see a lot of victory? Because I believe there's not enough worship. We've made worship like that song said. We've made worship about a superstar up on stage. We've made worship about certain types of songs. We've, we've made it into a spirit of excellence, which we believe in a spirit of excellence, but we haven't made it at a heart level. Guys, it's time to change our thinking. I'm going to challenge you. I begin to start worshiping on your way to work. You can see what starts happening on a consistent day. On your way to work, not only will, will you see maybe things happen in the, in the natural to your friends, maybe nothing at first, but you will come to, to work alive, not dead. You will come alive. Can I hear an amen? It's, 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 it's powerful what happens when you begin to worship God and the prisoners are listening. Say they're listening. Even in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, where, where the Bible says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Isaiah actually prophesied that. We read it a couple of months ago when I started talking about free indeed. How Jesus went to Luke chapter 4. But, but, but what you don't know, Jesus was actually quoting Isaiah 61. Do you know that? Uh, Jesus was, uh, came up to the temple and he said, and they handed him the book. And he began to speak. And he began to open where the Bible says it landed on Isaiah. Where he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has called me to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, being delivered to the captives. Set the, those who are free, bound free. But if you read in Isaiah 61, the original. Uh, keep just a couple verses. You know what it says after that? Listen to me. He's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Wait a minute. The garment of 
prays for the spirit of heaviness. Heaviness is not, I know you're going to laugh at me. He's not talking about your physical weight. He's talking about the heaviness that has to do with depression, with sorrow, with demonic sorrow and rejection. He says the antidote to depression is not just praying harder. It's worshiping and praising God. Thank you for those three amens. The antidote to destroy the enemy is to worship God. I'm almost done. The third thing that the attribute does. Third thing. Listen to me. It bring, put this up. It brings victory over the enemy. It's going to be up on your screen. It brings victory. Not only, listen, not only does it bring fullness of joy and strength, not only does it defeat, not only does it break chains, sorry, but it also brings victory over the enemy. Say victory over the enemy. Now, I'm going to say something that's very powerful. We all know this. Our prayer team actually quoted this when we were praying for our, our, our building. In 2 Chronicles, put that up there. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 14. And through 17, there was a man named Jehoshaphat. Can you imagine naming your son that? Praise God. (laughs) Jehoshaphat, see, don't come here. Don't do that. Time out, Jehoshaphat. (laughs) I keep thinking like, you know, instead of Tommy, Jehoshaphat. Listen, now watch. The Lord told Jehoshaphat. (laughs) No, seriously. He said, hey. I have a plan for you to defeat the enemy. And the enemy was like, and the people were like, oh, awesome. This is going to be great. He's going to give us a sword from heaven. He's going to give us some axes. Look at what it, look what it says. Look at what, watch this. Watch verse uh, 14, right? Second Chronicles. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and the son of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Watch this, guys. Keep going. And he said, listen, all of you, Judah, and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord, you do not need to be afraid or dismayed because of this great army. Watch this. For the battle is not yours, it's God's. Watch this. Keep going. Tomorrow, go down against them, and they will surely come to you by the accent of Ziz. And when you find them at the end of the brook, watch this, the, the, the wilderness of Jeruel. Keep going. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Come on. Who is with you, O Judah, or Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now jump down to verse 21. Look at verse 21. Are you ready to shout with me? And when he had consulted the people. Watch this. This doesn't make sense in the natural. Listen, it doesn't make sense in the natural. Hey, guys, the Lord said in the, tomorrow morning, that huge army that's about to get us, he's going to give us a battle plan. And everyone was like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to be tight. We're going to be hooked up. We're going to get a golden axe. We're going to get a shield. Ooh, something's going to drop down from heaven. He's going to give us a sword. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. What? To sing to the Lord who should praise the beauty. It almost like he lost his mind. Like, no, 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 you don't understand, Jehoshaphat. Do you know that there's a great army coming on there? You need weapons, bro. He's like, no, no, no. The Lord told me that this is the weapon. Sing in the beauty of holiness and went out before the Lord. And we're saying, praise the Lord before his mercy endures forever. Keep going. Watch this. Now when they began to sing. Man, I feel like when they began to sing, 
and praise. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zir who had come to Judah. Watch this. And they all were defeated. Let me tell you, you defeat the enemy because the children of Israel thought that they were going to have this big battle plan and they went up to the mountain, watch this, and they thought, well, they're going to give us a sword, we're going to get hooked up, they're going to look at other, we're going to get hooked up. And the Lord says, no, put your sword away, put your shield away because what I want you to bring out is not your sword, I want you to bring your tambourine out, pull your trumpet out, put your, put, put your, your guitar out, put your drum out, come on, put your, put your instrument out, get your vocal cords ready, <laughs> la, 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 get it, get it ready, get it ready, and I can I'm imagine all the children of Israel are like, what is happening here? What are you doing? There's a big old army. That's right. Get your trumpet out. Get your tambourine out. Get your drum out. Get your keyboard out. And when I say go, everyone starts singing and worshiping God. And the enemy will be defeated because of the lifestyle of worship. The Bible says that he sent ambush and confusion. You know what that means? When you and I begin to worship God in our private life intentionally, I'm talking about intentionally with authority, the enemy will be destroyed in your life. And not only does the enemy destroy it, I'm almost closing, the enemy's voice will be drowned by your worship. Not only, listen, not only does he, look, watch this, I'm going to get something right now, you're going to be happy. Not only does he get defeated, but he shuts up, literally, not, not figuratively. Your worship drowns the voice of the devil. Look, watch this. Come here, Donnie. Come here, Donnie. One of the one of the one of the one of the, the titles of the devil is what? The accuser of what? The accuser of what? So the Bible says the devil is always whispering and saying, "You're no good." So go. go yeah. You're worthless. You don't have the education. These these people don't love you. You can't do it right ever. Read your Bible more. Why do you? All these things the Bible says are confusing. Now he's constantly talking. You know what? You know what the Bible says? Look at, look, watch this, watch this. Hey, hey, Zach, put me, the message Bible. Put, ooh, Psalm chapter 8 verse 2 in the message Bible. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Watch this. Nursing infants gurgle choruses about you. Toddlers shout the songs that drown out the enemy. Watch this. And silence atheist babble no no come up here here so you know what happens worship begins to silence the enemy when you worship so here's the accuser of the brethren to worship you i live to worship you i live i live can you hear him no to worship you to worship you oh <laughs> oh see he's talking but you can't hear him because worship drowns out the enemy come on you may laugh, but that happens in the spirit realm. I'm not trying to be cute and funny, even though he's laughing. That's great. But it is truth. I want the, wor- if you can- the worship team, even though we- if we could just some, some, a guitar or something, we're going we're gonna to worship right now. You know what else it does? And I'm closing with this last scripture. I want you guys to be worshipers, not just on Sunday morning, but I want you to develop an instrument of change. Every day, I want you to begin to sing to the Lord. You say, Pastor George, I'm not a worship leader. I didn't ask you that. Neither am I. But I am a worshiper. Worshiper, Worshiping is a a tool that God has given us to connect with God. Look at me. I'm almost closing here. Listen. uh, This is the last scripture. Listen. Now, the fourth thing that worship does. We could just play something in in the the, the things that I've instructed um, Christina to do. Are you guys ready? Are you guys getting anything? Last thing. The benefit of developing praise and worship and singing to the Lord The last point is this, is that it changes the atmosphere and the environment that you're in. Did you hear what I just said? 
It changes the atmosphere and the environment you're in. Say, my worship, my singing to the Lord changes the atmosphere and changes the environment where I'm in. Have you guys ever been in an environment that's very depressing or an environment that's very just um, uh, divisive at work or the home? There's always arguments. You know how to defuse that? Change the environment by infusing the presence of God through worship. Put a worship CD on and begin to worship. You know what I used to do? I'm going to be open up to you. I'm going to be transparent. In my earlier days, when I, when I really battled with anger, I would, I would on purpose put worship music on because it was so hard to be angry while worship is going on. I'm like, I'm angry. And then it's like, I love you, Lord. And I live my I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. But you know what? I didn't know what, back then what it was doing. Worship was softening my heart. Now watch this. this is the last thing. Second Chronicles 5.12. And then we're going to worship and we're done. Second Chronicles 5.12. Are you ready? Who wants to change the environment? Here goes. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 12. It's going to be up on the screen. If you're there, say amen. Okay, I don't see it up there. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 12. There it is. And the Levites, who were the singers, say singers, and all those of Asaph and Heman and the Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, they stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, string instruments, come on somebody, and harps with them, 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Watch this, verse 13. Verse 13. Indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. Notice what is, who were who are as one? Who are as one? The singers, the trumpeters, they were as one. The worshipers, they got in position, watch this, to make a sound and heard in praising and thanksgiving to, God, to the Lord. When they lifted up their song and their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord, saying, for he is good, for he is mer- his mercy endures forever, that the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud. Look at atmosphere change. Watch this. Look at verse 14. Ready? So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. The pastors and the priests couldn't do their functions anymore because the cloud, the cloud of the God's glory was so strong because the singers started singing and because people started worshiping. And they said, we don't care about having sound or not. We don't care if we've had a bad day or not. We're going to lift up our voice and it's going to change the atmosphere. I'm going to prophesy to you today. You want to change the atmosphere of your home? You want to change the atmosphere of that, uh, that job that you're in? You want to change the atmosphere of your school? Go there 30 minutes early and start worshiping God. In the parking lot. I'm serious. Go, go there 30, 30 minutes before the, the school starts or your job starts. And begin to worship God even in a private office. And you will see that the atmosphere would be charged. I've had people come to me sometime. And they, the, uh, right after Sound the Alarm last year, they stepped into an empty building the, the day after Sound the Alarm. And they, they texted me. The leadership of the church texted me. They said, we felt a tangible presence when we walked in the room. You know why? Because, the, because worship changes the atmosphere and it drives out the enemy. How many want to be that way in your life? Come on. I want you to stand up. And I want you, I'm going to give you a challenge. No one's going to come up today. I'm going to ask you a question. Actually, no. Homework. A homework assignment. Can you rev up your worship life? I'm asking you. Can you rev up 
your worship life. Listen, I, I just feel this from the Lord. Some of us, if we're not careful, we'll be too sophisticated, too, too smart and sophisticated to worship because worship requires vulnerability. If, listen, if you're too smart and you're, and you're such a person of the mind and intellect, then you, this doesn't make sense to you. Just like it didn't make sense to Jehoshaphat. It didn't make sense for a big army to come and they sing. So I want to sing that song, To Worship You We Live. Come on, we may not hear it, but I want you to open up your heart right now. And I want us to worship. Come on. Come on, lift up your hands. Go ahead, worship team. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.